When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Caw and I'm delighted to be joined by Record Sports' Graham Young and making his Celtic pod debut, Will Lancaster. Guys, how are you? I'm not too bad, mate. Thank you. How are you? I'm very good, Will. It's good to have you on board. Graham. how, how are you keeping on? We've been under the weather. Hey, just a, I've come off the injury bench here. We're OK. We're, we're ready to go. We, ne- we never stop on the Celtic podcast, as you know, Dan. So let's uh, let's go for it. Let's exactly, go. Exactly. Well said. Uh, and the best place to start, I suppose, has to be obviously Celtic's um, defeat at home to RB Leipzig earlier this week in, in the Champions League. Obviously, a result that means that they can't now qualify for the last 16. Well, I'll, I'll maybe start with yourself. Um, on the game itself, I thought, again, really frustrating because Celtic played so well in such periods, created brilliant chances, and really should have been at least 2 0 up before Leipzig scored. Yeah, it's just a bit frustrating, really. Um, obviously, the first half against Real Madrid on the, on game week one kind of opened your eyes as to what Celtic can do. Um, the difference in quality between Real Madrid and, and Leipzig is vast, obviously. And uh, a 3-0 scoreline, even though it flattered them, probably was the correct result. Um, but you, you look back to the game against Shakhtar Donetsk um, and all those missed chances, showed that Celtic can get in the right areas. Um, but then again like we had on, on Tuesday night. It's just that, not wastefulness as such, but lack of inexperience. Um, like, Kyogo still hasn't scored in, in the Champions League yet. Um, and then you look at the other end of the pitch, you've got Timo Werner, who's a top-quality striker, Christopher Nkunku, who's got, like, plaudits across Europe. Uh, and even Forsberg's goal was really well taken. And it's just those little little differences in the final third that I think Celtic will be ruined up for this Champions League campaign at least. Um, next year, obviously, it's not guaranteed that they get there, but if they do, so I think that's a, a key area that Andrew Postacoglu really has to pick up on if they are to progress. I definitely think there's, there's going to be plenty for us to kind of wall over, you know, with Celtic being out. It's not been a great week in general for, for Scottish football in Europe, but maybe we should look at the, the positives game. I mean, on the night, I thought a lot of Celtic's team played really well. I thought Hart had a really good game. I thought Jens at the back was that like a big Rolls Royce that was absolutely brilliant alongside Carter Vickers, um, Taylor as well. But I wanted to point out um, Matt O'Reilly because I know he gets lots of praise since he's moved to Celtic and, and rightfully so. But moving into that Callum McGregor role, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a pretty fair assessment of how, how the game um, panned out for Celtic. I think you've gone through some of the best performers. I think Carter Vickers... I'll t- go back to Ireland in a minute, but just a special mention for Carlo Vickers. I know Jens next to him is very good, but if you were there on a scout mission for a top team across, you would, I don't think it'd be a very long report. It would just maybe say sign him on it because he just looked incredible, I think, at that level. And um, we all know he's not the tallest, but he was just dominant physically. And um, 
I, I think what well, you look at teams like Tottenham, you wonder how he gets away for a team like Tottenham playing like that because it was just uh, such an imposing performance. Like, again, I thought Anaile um, getting asked to do a lot of things. Actually, um, when you, you, you're the only person, you see a lot of extra little bits and Anaile out with. Um, his obvious ability was very demanding, asking for more, making sure Hattati was cutting inside or uh, covering him, sorry. There was there was a lot of accountability, I felt, for Ailey in the night, both in the way he played and what he was asking his teammates. Um, I think Will summed it up masterfully there, where he, about the players, it's the difference at the top level. And I don't think Celtic fans want to hear that too much because this isn't a Celtic team in the Champions League who have been competing on and off. It's been a nightmare for a long time at this level since the Neil Lennon team that made the last 16. But you talk about seven home defeats in a row, all types of defeats. And because there's a certain generation of Celtic fan who knows what it's like to beat big teams, beating teams like Porto, Benfica, um, Manchester United, AC Milan, uh, Leon, like signature wins at this tournament and this level, it becomes quite difficult. Now, obviously, the disparity in cash uh, is is evident, but that's maybe the, as much as everyone can see what what's there for everyone to see. They're competing, they're getting shots off. There is this sense of it didn't used to be like this, um, and I think that's probably the hardest element for Celtic supporters to maybe deal with at this present time. Yeah, no, I think it's a good point. Um, and you're right about Carl Vickers as well. He was absolutely outstanding, um, and I think Celtic have really missed him recently. You know, I think it really showed. He come back in, no harm to, to Stephen Welsh, who's still a young player, still got a wee bit of developing to do. But Carter Vickers not being in the team is huge. Yeah, and I think you've you nailed it there. I think a lot of people are expecting Welsh to start with Carter Vickers. Maybe not everybody, but Jens has probably been getting a, a bit tight recently. I th- I, I've been impressed with him as well. I think obviously a couple of slack passes, but I did note something Postacoglu said. It was, when I was talking about the heart goal in Leipzig where he was saying, oh, I don't mind players along the lines of they're trying to make the forward pass. And at least I felt Jens was doing that, maybe more naturally than Welsh. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is what it is. That's where Celtic are. There's, there's, there's loads of things to probably like about them. what Forsberg was saying about Celtic. The quotes is very much pat in the back. It's the truth. They move the ball quickly. They don't play like a Scottish team. They try to do things. It's high. It's like high wire act, isn't it? Like they're they're trying to play like they've got thirty million pound players all over the pitch, and mm-hmm. ultimately, does that does that work eventually? Because do you keep developing your squad. That's what needs to happen. That's what these teams like Bruges and Everton's using Bruges as an example. But Bruges have been qualifying for the Champions League for nearly every single season for a decent amount of time and uh, um, that's like a Porto or a, a good Ajax team that's how you do it you just if you end up losing a jaw a Carter Vickers the next two signings need to be even better I know it's hard to do but that's the that's the uh, template or the blueprint for these teams I'll call it the green print um, but it's um, that's how you need to, that's how you need to do it that's how you do it you you, you you establish yourself at a certain level and then the next batch gets even better or your scouting's even sharper the next time you find a better bargain or however it works and you keep going and then but that all rests on Postacoglu being there a long time which I think Celtic fans would like but again football's not like that and other teams want teams that play a certain way and out with the results I still think Postacoglu's star isn't uh, dimmed any by the fact teams that like the way he plays football and who knows next four or five years how it all pans out but I, I can understand the initial frustration but most of the stuff that's been good about Celtic was still there the other night. Aye, no, definitely. Um, 
Well, one player in the team who I feel a bit sorry for almost because I feel like he's becoming a little bit of a weapon boy, albeit I'm only going really by um, like social media and you know WhatsApp and what have you. But Dyson Maida, um, he seems to. I feel like every game now he's getting a lot of stick, and I get he's he's not. He, you know, if he could finish, he wouldn't be playing for Celtic. That's that's the truth. But I just think the work rate he brings, his pace, the way he drags defenders about, I, st- I think he's still a quality player. Yeah, he's, it's a tough one, really, because he came in, like, fired away on his loan spell. The obligation spy happened, and he's just not really hit the heights that he had last year. But if, if Andrew's to pick a team based on form, obviously, Jota was injured, but you've got Haksabanovic, Abada, even Forrest that can all fill in. And it does feel like Maida's been, like I said before, a bit in terms of being wasteful in front of goal, he's like the epitome of that. Um, his work rate, obviously, is second to none, but... If you're not performing this team, there's enough people to be waiting in the wings to come in and take your spot. It's a hungry young team. It's in a, a revitalisation process. So you've got players chomping at the bit. And unfortunately for me, uh, Maeda's not really fulfilling that. Um, but that's not to say that he shouldn't be picked. He's obviously low on confidence. Um, but like I say, in a, in a team where there's so many players that can fill his role, if you're not doing well, you're not doing well. Um, then it could be back to the drawing board for him. I do like him, but it, it's you know it is what it is. Like Wait. Graham says, and no, sorry, well, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I was just <laughs> ask Graham what his thoughts were on Mida. Yeah, pretty similar. I feel you see it much in the first half, but he's all about the press, isn't it? When they're in position, he does it as well as anyone. He understands exactly what Postecoglou wants, but at the same time, it was a cross in the second half. If there was a bubbling frustration for a couple of weeks that all came out in the second half down the left wing when he, he contrived to just a, a really bad cross and I think that's the, the worry because Postecoglou again something he, he, he noticed is the fact he is getting into these positions to score um, and probably some of the best chances in the whole tournament for Celtic have quite a lot but the best ones have probably landed at the wrong person but then you say who's the right person because mm-hmm. no, no one's scoring I just feel my one Takeaway from the first four games is maybe Jackamakis potentially should have been. Well, I know he started against Real Madrid, but it just, and I know he he misses chances as well. But there's just to me, he's the type of player who takes some of these ones that have, um, have gone to other players, um, and he's not a perfect player either. He's got, but he's got loads and loads of ability in what he does. This is going to be the argument. It's got to keep coming. Kyogo's a, a top player, but I just think Jackamakis. Sometimes just brings an added element, and uh, I know I've moved on from Maida very quickly there, but I think you can see back to Maida. The problem is the te- it's not technique, is it? So much what is potentially is the ball sometimes runs away from him. Sometimes in games like this, when the margins are so fine, Maida's sometimes coughs the ball quite quickly, or like you say, miss a chance that kind of t- takes the the pop out of the atmosphere. Um, and I think like anybody, you always need someone to. Um, vent your frustrations and right now it's it's my either like it's just it is the way it is but he has the qualities are obvious of what he has he's one of the most defensively sound forwards you'll find which might sound like um a bit accounting true statement but that's the way it is and he also has i think the other thing i've, I've, I've mentioned a couple of articles about my either is the fact for someone you i think you were expecting this like kind of jet healed superstar and i know he's quick to close people down but sometimes in one v ones he's not the best at actually getting around anyone or there's maybe not a flick or a trick i know he likes a wee 
flick finish, but out wide he's where he plays most of his football, he doesn't do that. So again, um I think these it's probably a building frustration over the four games that all kind of came out in that um uh, instant the second half where he, he nearly cleared the stadium with his cross. So um there it is. But again, like anybody it's football, isn't it? If he scores a hat trick in Shakhtar and they, they somehow get a result and it didn't go through then um, all will be forgotten, but that's that's just the way of the world, isn't it? With football fans, that's it. Eh? And you, well, you mentioned there that James Forrest. I thought special mentioned him because again, one that's maybe kind of been out the pitch a little bit. I know Andrew was asked about him before kickoff, but it was four hundred and fiftieth appearance, and you know what does he still bring to the team? And the manager quite rightly said, you know, he's he's been and done it in the, in the biggest games. And when he came on, I thought it was really noticeable how just a really simple James Forrest style. He created a lot of chances and, and looked pretty dangerous and, and played really well. Yeah, he's he's one of those traditional wingers that you don't really see anymore. Everyone tends to be inverted. So you've got Jota and Abada on one wing. Um, and it is refreshing to see someone just pick up the ball and run at a defender. Because you don't really get that anymore. Um, going back to Maeda, I hate to... Obviously, I'm becoming a bit of a, <laughs> a person who's making a whipping boy. But if you look at the options you've got out wide... They're all te- really technical players, including Haksabanovic. You've got four really out-and-out wingers or inverted wingers there that can come on and, and change a game. And Maeda doesn't do that. So I think that's why Forrest's inclusion was a bit, you know, it was lauded by Celtic fans because it was just sort of back to the old style. Um, creating chance. I know he wasn't on for long, but it offered that glimpse of hope when everything had gone a bit stale out wide. And, and like you say, 450 appearances is... It's invital experience. Like, you know, I can't really think of many other players who have, have racked that up in in the current team or any decades gone by. Um, and it, his know-how does sort of, you know, offer a glimpse into the past of bef- like even the Brendan era, the Lennon era, the the Dialer era. That that experience that one player can have that Celtic fans can can ring the name out of. Um, really can do something on the night. It's, it's just unfortunate that it wasn't against Leipzig. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right, you touched on it a couple of minutes ago, Graham. We've, we've talked about the game itself, but overall, what, what what is needed for Celtic to compete at this level? Is it even a realistic um, target to be competitive in, in Champions League football? Because I'll, I'll tell you what, where I come from, going into the game the other night, you looked at it and say you beat Leipzig at home and you beat Shakhtar at home and you're in the last 16. Now, to me, on one hand, I think us oh, the Champions League level might be beyond Celtic. But on the other hand, that, that that's a task that Celtic should really be up to. I think. Yeah. Also, the factor in there that it was dependent on Real Madrid winning two games, which of course, course no, that's but that's the way you would think. Of course, it is that's the way you think. The interesting thing as well is I think it's perception in this group as well. If Celtic had beat Shakhtar like they should have, they the three points. Shakhtar have been able to get this. If you watch both games, like that remarkable kind of smash and grab win against Leipzig in match day one, and then they back it up with results. You can't underplay Shakhtar's ability, but I think Celtic, you could see in Warsaw, matched up pretty well with them. Um, and Celtic's constant pass and press tired them out, uh, moved them about as if they were playing, as if Shakhtar were playing one of the very top teams. And that's the difference with possibly whatever in the final kind of post mortem of this group. Celtic played Shakhtar in a way they've never played another team in Europe at Champions League level. Like totally, unless they've been down to 10 men or like just total dominance away from home. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that itself is 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 different. Celtic, the Celtic team isn't like, and I'm not going. To, I think Brendan Rodgers having a hard enough time, but Rodgers was an idealist, but he was never as fully committed to such a style. He was pretty, everyone goes on about Brendan Rodgers now in Europe. He played a five at the back against Barcelona, and the game they lost seven one. Now was a seven 0 seven one completely changed the way he played to suit. So Postecoglou doesn't do that, and I think there's been a lot of benefits to that. It's not all been perfect at times. You've got to get like the Leipzig second half. Um, so you, you need to ask yourself, Celtic, it's almost, it's not a dead rubber, is it? If they win against Shakhtar next week, they've got a chance to go in the final game. Uh, who knows? Maybe it is, put because Real Madrid of the group wrapped up. They'll be just about in World Cup mode. So it's about this game, but again, I think a lot of them the final kind of observations will be on this game. Can Celtic put everything together that's shown so far with the goals? Because, and again, Shakhtar, even though they were poor in Warsaw, proved capable of being very effective in the counter-attack. That's um, a couple of really signature results for them in the group so far. Uh, they've only lost one of the four group games, so it just kind of puts it into perspective. So they're no gimme either. Uh, but it feels that, that that is it. Celtic aren't going to without a transfer window, Without maybe 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 bigger player, I sounds like Gordon Strachan stuff here, but as good as Celtic are, they're just maybe one or two players of just physicality. As much as they want to play a brand of football, I'm not talking about long ball style, but just some of the players that they've come up against in other teams in this tournament. And I know you could point to Modric and Cruz and all these guys as well, but these are elite elite players. But I think maybe the next two transfer windows, just a couple of, get, couple of players that are just a bit bigger, a bit more robust. Like Jens probably in Abigail if he comes up to the stand. Like he's a bigger player. Not every player needs to be a giant, but it just seems like maybe as good as the fullbacks have been, maybe something there for a slightly different shape. But um, again, I think if Celtic perception will be based on if Celtic beat Shakhtar and come up with a stirring performance in the Bernabeu, it'd be a pretty decent finish to a first cup campaign after five years away. But... Again, that as we've said, it's no gimme, but that that's what they need to do next. Right. And Shakhtar again, great. Look, you were saying Club Bruce. Shakhtar's another team like that. Like every time, you know, they're in it every year. They played Real Madrid, I think, in three to three of the last five group stages. So, yeah, you know, people thinking that we, they would just roll over. I know I expected Real Madrid to beat them, but you know, as you say, they're no gimme. Um, the one, look, I basically I agree with everything you just said, Graham. Basically, I don't see how you could disagree. But see, on the other hand, well, right. I feel like a lot of Celtic fans are maybe getting a little bit disgruntled at being viewed, and I, I put it, for want of a better phrase, like a Disneyland club, in the sense that you know players arrive at Celtic Park and they rave about the atmosphere. Oh wow! But then it's like they give Celtic a pat on the head and then take you know take the three points up the road. I mean, for Celtic to they've, they've not won a group game at home since 2013. There's only been two wins at home in the group stages since um, 20 what? scored against Barcelona 11 years ago. I mean, 10 years ago? Like 10 years ago, sorry. Um, I mean, that's for a club of Celtic size. I just don't, I just, that just can't be good enough. That can't, I, you just, I, I don't know. I feel like Celtic deserve more. They're a bigger club than that. Yeah, it's not ideal at all. Um, but you, you've kind of got to remember it's it's a work in progress. You see, like last year, getting knocked out by Bottle Glimpse in the, the Conference League. Losing to Betis and Leverkusen, who admittedly Leverkusen are in the Champions League this year, but it was comprehensive 4 0 at Celtic Park. Fans are thinking, like, what on earth is going on, given how the Brendan Rodgers era went with a few scalps, a few draws in, in the Champions League. But I completely agree with your point. It's 
I mean, the Real Madrid loss is a bit of an anomaly, but to lose 2 0 to Leipzig, especially after beating them in, in the Europa League a few years ago and, and Rangers, uh, well, you say unfortunately on this podcast, for doing them in the semi final. And it, it's, it's, it's disappointing. Um, but again, like, like Graham said before, the funding, the TV broadcast, and, and all that sort of stuff, it's, it does set up this disparity. And I know it's, there's disgruntlement around the club, but you, you kind of not have to accept it. But, understand the fundamentals of it before you can start to progress and unfortunately modern football has sort of left Celtic behind in that regard to the point where any sort of scalp against the big team is treated like you know like a, a real big occasion the Tony Watt one like you say one of Celtic's best days this side of the century alongside the UEFA Cup run in 2003 and it's almost disheartening to see that that fans are clinging on to those moments because they're no longer able to compete against teams like Leipzig and Shakhtar Donetsk and stuff like that. So I, th- I think, yeah, people do view it as a, as a Disneyland club and it, it does need to change, but there also needs to be a sense of like realism and that Andy's only just getting going in his, in his tenure. Um, give it a bit of time and, and see what happens because, frankly speaking, the players are quite new to the system even though it's been a year, not fully gelled yet. So I think give it two or three more years of continuing the process, slowly building, and then that um, myth might be dispelled. You know? yeah, do, do you get what I mean about the Disneyland thing? Like, they, they almost like, It just feels a bit patronising at times. 100%. Honestly, it's uh, Marco Rose's comments about, oh, you have a, you have a crying time at Celtic Park. You get exactly, to, I know. You get to go about in a scarf. Or, and you can understand because... This is Celtic fans trying to find the reason why, because it's again it's results based. But for say anyone thirty plus, they know all about big games and big wins. That's just what happened. So Martin O'Neill came into Celtic. Celtic were just completely in crisis of confidence with Rangers. Quickly turned that round, and Celtic hadn't been a European team since probably 1980 in Germany. There's little moments in between, but suddenly Celtic every season were winning games in Europe. Uh, and it lasted pretty much for 12 years. There was a couple of dud seasons in there. And since then, you're left with the atmosphere. You're left with a noise. The fans are still there, but they're not matched by the players on the pitch. And uh, I felt there was a, gen- a genuine angst inside the stadium. Uh, again, moments at my age. Just this, never as Celtic misses normally. You get the big applause. Oh, well, well, you've missed a chance. Let's keep going. I felt... Uh, I fear that this might not go to plan because it hasn't gone to plan for a long time. But again, um, to stick up for Andrew Postacoglu, um, there is a genuine... You're nothing without a process or an ideal. And sometimes people argue that he's too rigid to the way he plays. But for Celtic, it's, they've actually needed this because for a long time, in some of their worst European campaigns, and there's been plenty in recent years, there's been no genuine plan. Um, and I believe because he's got such a good eye for a player that the Celtic do back him and they have another couple of really strong transfers. There's no reason this... Rodgers' best season was his first season. I don't think that necessarily needs to be the case with Postacoglu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his best season could be this year if things... Again, if you, go, if you finish fourth, it probably ends in terms of Europe that way, but maybe you go again next year. Um, but I, I, I totally understand this idea that it's very... Inst- is Instagrammable, would that be right? That <laughs> the, the disco lights, um, 
oh, you can understand vloggers, people, and that's listen. End of the day, it's a compliment in a way that people want to come and experience a, a kind of a big atmosphere, a big stadium. It's marketed well. People know it's a good place to, or a good place to experience. But um, I, but I think actually now, just to make a final point, as much as all that's true, I think it is high time that the team in the pits, they did, the supporters deserve a result back, if that makes sense as well. The, I think it's a bit, a bit of both. So. Um, and I don't think even a slightly reduced atmosphere if Celtic are on it against the right team. It all comes down to their shatter game. Celtic aren't going to make the last 16 this season uh, and probably as much as they've looked like a, a route up until match day four, they're probably not ready, to, well, they're definitely not ready to anyway. So they beat Shakhtar and go for it in the Bernabeu. I think it's not quite an Eels first season of beating Juventus nine points, not making it out. It'd be a pretty decent fist of their first game back and still an outside chance Europa League where some of the Postacoglu methods probably at this with the team improved for the last season would fare well and there could be one or two scalps there. But again, they need four results to go their way in the last two games, in the last two match days. So um, it might be a case like the Angels that um, it's building, it's domestic, go for the title and then go again next season. Yeah, no, I think you summed it up perfectly there. I think, I, I think the, the Shakhtar game. Um, it's still crucial, even though we can't progress. But as you say, I think the fans definitely deserve a performance in three points. Um, I was going to finish this podcast off, guys, by saying obviously Celtic are playing Hibs at the weekend. Um, well, I was going to, you know, ask would you make many changes? Uh, the only one that I could see is uh, Abelgard maybe getting a, a run out at some point. But given McGregor's still out, uh, Starfield's still out, Jota probably touch and go still, um, and obviously Abada come off injured the other night. There's not really much wiggle room for, for Postacoglu to change it. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think if, if he's going to make any changes, you maybe look at those who underperformed in midweek. So Kyogo could make way for Jack Marcus. Uh, Abelgar obviously deserves a chance in that McGregor role. Um, yeah, Taylor, like you say, the, the centre-halves played really well. Juranovic and, and Ralston, that could be somewhere perhaps just to rest him. Uh, but in general, it's as you were, really. It, it wasn't a bad performance overall. I know that we've been slating it for the last half an hour or so, but it's just a difference in quality. And if you look at Celtic compared to Hibs this season, you'd hope that that'd be they should be on the other foot uh, this weekend. And Graham, Abelgard, the only one that you could really see maybe getting a, a look in at the weekend? Yeah, and I, I know every game's must win because it's Celtic, but and maybe Hattati is good. And I'm a massive Hattati fan. I think he's been unbelievable. Uh, but just the type of game he's he, he does play sometimes in these league games where it's all the touch passing not was great. But I think I think it's probably a good game to rest him and a good. I think it needs to be a, a kind of direct performance by Celtic, um, which Abigail, I think it needs to be because. As much as I think we know what Moy can do and different players, but I think that would make sense in the midfield. Um, I think James Forrest might start actually. I think he's been, and obviously, even if a bad dead leg isn't, isn't as, or it was uh, quite not a big injury anyway, and then you've got again what you said, Jack. I think Jack Amakis again uh, scored against St Johnson, probably not his best game, uh, but Kyogo's, he's maybe, I think we can all see it that he's not playing terribly, but it's just not the the same same level that you'd maybe hope at these games so I think those are the changes that make sense Ralston for Juranovic don't like kind of Juranovic is an important player but 
Ralphson's is probably as good a backup as you'll find about. Just fits the system, knows what he's doing. And he's actually really dangerous going forward. So um, and maybe like three or four changes for obvious reasons. And then it's go time again, isn't it? But again, that might come in the Premier Sports Cup game against Motherwell. So um, it's non-stop until the World Cup. So it might be two changes here, two changes there. Or, um, the game's coming up just well to try and keep a, a run of form going. Right, absolutely. Um, I should say to everyone listening that you can get involved in the discussion. Um, we are obviously on Twitter at dr underscore Celtic at Record Sport, and we're also on Instagram at Daily Record underscore Sport. Uh, Graham, it's always a pleasure, and Will, nice solid debut for you. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, guys, and thanks for everyone listening. And we'll be back next week. Cheers. <laughs>